Awesome. We're wrapping up a sermon series this morning that we've been in the last several weeks called Pure the Naked Truth. And uh, we've been looking at a book in the Bible called The Song of Songs. And throughout history, poets and songwriters have compared love to fire. You see this going way back, even to Shakespeare. Shakespeare, he described love as a, as a fire sparkling in lovers' eyes. Elvis Presley, he sang about burning love. And then there's Johnny Cash, who, could, who, who described love as a burning thing. And who could forget him describing how he fell into a ring of fire. And he went down, 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 as the flames went higher. But he's not complaining, because there's actually a line in one of the verses that, the verses that says, the taste of love is sweet. He's like, this is a sweet fire that, that I'm going down in. And then, of course, Christmas time comes around, and we've got songs that talk about how you don't need an overcoat because I'm burning with love. I've got my love to keep me warm. And throughout this series, we've been looking at love and passion and, and um, in this book of, of Song of Songs. And it's describing the love between two people, the king um, of Israel, King Solomon, and a lady known only as the Shulamite woman. This unknown woman, unknown woman um, was actually the first person, at least in recorded history, to c- compare love to fire. And in this series, we've looked at what gets the fires of love and passion started. Um, we've also looked at what you do if you've noticed that the fires of love and passion have gone, what, what you got to do to get those back. And this morning, as we wrap this up, what I want to do is look at what it takes to keep the fires burning red hot. Not just burning hot during the honeymoon, but how do you keep the, the fires burning hot years, decades into a relationship? I've made a lot of fires in my day, actual like fire fires. I've made campfires in the woods. I've made bonfires in the backyard. I've made wood stove fires. Most of my fires have been purposeful. Some of them have been accidental. I discovered that you don't put out an oil fire by adding water. That just makes the fire bigger. Um, I actually one time said it made a grass fire and nearly burnt down a small grove of trees when I was a, 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 a young kid. But with all the fires that I've made, um, there's one thing that, that I know is universally true of all fires, and you know this as well, and that's simply this. The only way to keep a fire burning hot is to keep adding fuel. You got to keep adding fuel. It doesn't matter if you have a small campfire or if you've got a raging forest fire, if you don't add fuel, it's going to eventually go out. What you have to do is you have to constantly give it attention. You have to maintain it. You have to stoke it. You have to throw more wood on the fire. And the same principle holds true for the love and passion in your, in your marriage. It holds true for the love you have for a friend or the love that you have for Jesus. If you don't keep stoking that fire, adding more fuel to the fire, it's going to go out. Nevertheless, it's normal in most marriages for the fire to go out at some point. And the reasons it goes out are varied. Sometimes a man and woman, they'll go into a marriage with the false assumption that because the fire is burning so hot at the beginning, that it's just going to keep burning hot forever. After all, how could it possibly go out? And so what, what happens is they neglect it. They dive into careers. Um, they just give all their attention to their, their kids. And they get lost. And what ends up happening is they just they, they stop stoking the fire. Other times, the fire goes out as the storms of life take their toll on the fire. Um, You hit some rainy seasons in life. Rain and fire don't actually mix very well. 
and, and, and you're focused on the rain, you forget to keep throwing wood on the fire. And the tragedy for most couples, though, is that when the fire goes out, they're tempted to believe that because the fire's out, there must be something wrong. There's, there's something wrong with my spouse, or there's something wrong with me. It's just not like it used to be. Maybe we made a mistake. Maybe we were never meant to be together in the first place. Maybe there's someone better for me waiting out there. If the fire's out, it's because you stopped adding fuel to the fire. If you make a fire and neglect it, it will go out every single time. And so the question that I want us to kind of wrestle through this morning and, and answer by the time we're done this morning is the question, how do we keep the fires burning hot and strong? How do we ensure that the fire never goes out? And God shows us how in this beautiful love song called the Song of Songs that he planted right smack dab in the middle of the Bible. And in this book, we find a man and a woman totally captivated and in love with each other. It starts off in the book, they, they, they kind of begin like any relationship, they start seeing each other, then eventually uh, they end up getting married, and then in chapter 8, the last chapter in this book, long after the wedding is over, we find them out taking a romantic stroll. And the words written down at the end of this short book, they paint a powerful picture for us of what a love that's still burning hot looks like. Let's read this together. It says this in Song of Songs 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 5. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? So King Solomon and his bride are apparently out taking a leisurely stroll down some country road. And as they do, some of the girl's friends are off in the distance, and they notice that here they come. And as they, they see them coming, they notice something in particular about their posture. She's leaning on him. And this is a, a, a powerful picture that we see here. Think of how different this looks for many couples long after they get married. They're, maybe this last week, you were on Friday, it was Black Friday, and you were in the mall with your spouse, and, and he's 10 steps out in front of her as they barrel through the mall. There's no, dis, there's no closeness, there's distance instead. Well, not in this story. He's walking close to her. He's most likely got his arm around her shoulder or possibly around her waist, and she just nestled right into him. Now, if a picture is worth a thousand words, think with me for a second what this picture here says about this couple. First of all, it says that, that, that he's still tender-hearted toward her. He hasn't become cold and distant. She trusts him, knowing that as she leans into him, he's not going to look down at her and go, oh, what's up with you? Um, there's this pure and simple sweetness to their relationship. There's nothing harsh. There's nothing complicated. In short, you could say they truly delight in one another. They truly enjoy being together. They haven't let their marriage turned into a duty. They delight in one another. Last week, we had um, three ladies team shared, and as Angel shared last week, about how easy it is for marriage to become a business, business arrangement, I was struck at how easy it is for me to allow my marriage to get to the same place. How it can quickly become all about earnings and spreadsheets. Are we making enough? Are we having enough being saved up for retirement? Are we, there's enough to pay the bills? How healthy is the organization, also known as the family, running? Are the clients, aka the kids, happy? Are they growing? Are they getting what they need? Is there any excess in the organization that needs to be trimmed? 
Um, do we need to make some hires, get a babysitter or two? If you're not careful, your marriage can stop becoming a romantic adventure where you delight in one another and, and simply become a business. If you want to keep the love burning hot, if you want to keep it burning pure in your marriage, here's some fuel for the fire. Keep the fire hot by making time to simply enjoy one another. Simply enjoy one another. As Solomon grows old, he writes some, some instructions to his son, and we read this back in the first week of the series, but they're, they're good words for us to hear again. He writes these instructions to his sons. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. In another place, he says, enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. He's saying, enjoy one another, delight in one another. To the men, here's what that means. It means have some fun pursuing her. Take her on romantic strolls, buy her stuff. Do I get a big amen, ladies? Come on. Buy her stuff. Um, go all out when it comes to anniversaries. Flirt with her. Sit and talk with her. And I know it'll be really hard, men, but this, is, this will go a long ways. Actually listen to her. I mean, do all that stuff to, to the ladies. From time to time, take your attention off the kids and put it all on your man. Allure him like you used to do. If it means getting a babysitter, get a babysitter. But have some fun. Um, to both of you, never stop being thankful for one another. I can't, I can't overstate how important, important gratitude is to, to, to enjoying anything in life. Whether it's, it's something that you, you have or, or a person in your life, as you stay thankful for that, that person, you, you'll, just, you'll enjoy the gift that person is to you. Stay, stay thankful for that person. Another way that you simply enjoy one another that's hard to miss as you read through the Song of Songs is, is through sexual in intimacy. And in this book, the guy can't stop talking about every part of, of this, 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 this woman that, that he loves. And she goes on and on about, about every part of him. And then when they do come together, it's not some, some race to the finish line. I mean, they've got John Mayer playing on the radio. The candles are lit. The doors are locked. And it's this slow, moonlit dance where they are enjoying every single minute of it. And if you're married in the room this morning, here's a homework assignment for you. This week, with your spouse, I challenge you to read through the Song of Songs with your spouse to discover what it looks like to enjoy sexual intimacy together. And before you read it, let me just give you a little insight into the book, okay? So when they're talking about gardens, they're not talking about potatoes and carrots. When he's talking about climbing the palm tree to get coconuts, he's not talking about being down in Tahiti, climbing a, a coconut tree to grab some coconuts to make some, some um, pina coladas, okay? If you want the fire to stay burning hot, though, you need to take time to enjoy one another. You just have to. Going back to these lovers in the Song of Songs, we see her leaning up against him as they stroll along, and pretty soon, as they're walking, they, they come to a place that they frequented as young lovers, and the, uh, the Bible doesn't give us a big description of the place, but it, there's an apple tree that marks the spot, and as they revisit the place where their first love began, she's amazed all over again with how much she truly loves this man. And she writes these words, under the apple tree, I roused you. There your mother conceived you. There she who was in labor gave you birth. Place me like a seal over your heart, 
like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, it's jealousy unyielding as the grave. In ancient times, this seal that she's talking about, this seal, it represented two things. It represented possession and it represented unbreakable devotion. And what she is saying to, to this, this man is, I want to be your most treasured possession. I want to belong to you and you alone, and I want you to belong to me and me alone. My desire is that, that you be totally, completely, wholeheartedly devoted to me, and that I be totally, completely, wholeheartedly devoted to you. And when you stop and you think about the words that she's saying, it sounds completely irrational. Who would say such things to a human being who is flawed, who's broken, who has the potential to hurt you, to wound you, to say things to you, to take advantage of you, to neglect you, those words sound completely foolish and irrational unless, unless your heart has been gripped with love for another person. And this lady is, is so gripped by love for this man that she compares it to the power of death. You see, death is, is completely res- irresistible. You can't avoid it. It is coming at some point. It's, it's inevitable. And she's saying, my heart is totally taken with you. You are simply irresistible. Which sounds like a great line for a song for someone to write sometime. But you're irresistible. She would go on to say that this love she has, it burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. And this woman, she knows that their love is like a raging inferno. And so she wisely asks for total Devotion. Now, why you ask is that wisdom? Why is it wise to ask for total devotion in light of love being a a blazing, raging fire? And the best way for me to help you see her wisdom here is is through just a simple illustration that maybe you've seen before, but that's fine. When I was a kid, my dad taught me how to how to burn a fire, how to make a fire, and we should do it over here just so it's it's kind of out of the way. But um, he taught me, if you want to make a fire, you got to get some paper. Good Friday, Black, Fri- or Black Friday ads work really great. But you get some, some paper, and you, you crinkle it all up like this. You put it down on the ground. I'll move this out of the way because you want to see, right? Then you grab some kindling. i got some great cedar kindling here. You put on top of that fire, that paper, I mean, like this. Kind of crisscross a little bit so you can get some air in there. And then once you get some little stuff on there. You try to find some bigger stuff. Not too big, though. Otherwise, it'll block out all the air. Let's see here. We got this. We kind of crisscross it, teepee it all together. And uh, once you get all that wood on there, if you really want to do it right, you just throw all the stuff you learned in Boy Scouts and you get a couple cups of gasoline and toss that on top. But for now, let's just go with this. Now, you ready to see what happens when I light this fire? You need to see the fire going up, otherwise you won't get the illustration, okay? So this is what's going to happen. I'm going to light the fire, and of course you're not ready for me to light the fire, right? Because you know that if I light that fire right there, what's going to happen is it's going gonna, it's gonna to start burning because I've got that put together really nice. And as it starts burning, what's going to happen next is those trees are going to go up in flames. And then what's likely going to happen at some point in the morning is this whole building is going to go up in flames. You see, you get that fire is good, but fire is also powerful. The same fire that keeps my living room warm is the same fire that destroyed 176,000 acres 
in southeast Washington last summer. You just don't go lighting a fire anywhere. It needs to have a, a fireplace, a wood stove, or a campfire pit. Because misplaced, misplaced fire is destructive, but placed in the right spot with protective boundaries, it brings warmth. And in the same way, the love between a man and woman is like a burning fire. It can bring blessing or it can bring destruction. But to bring blessing, it needs to be protected and it needs to be in its proper place. And the protection that God provides for love that burns like a blazing fire, the seal that he gives is a covenant of total devotion called marriage. And God sets the boundary from the very first chapter in the Bible when he says, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to, to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And some people, they think that God is outdated. They think that when he says that the most intimate expression of that love, sexual intimacy, should only be enjoyed within the covenant of marriage, they think that he's just trying to make life miserable. Like, who is this, this God setting up these boundaries in these, these rules. But the fact of the matter is God is a good father who only wants to protect you. And outside of the protection of marriage, it's, it's a destructive wildfire leaving in its path broken hearts, STDs, the, the emptiness that comes when you give yourself away in the most intimate way to someone, and then you find out later on that they didn't even love you. He wants to protect you. And so he sets a seal, a boundary for the fire called marriage. And it not only protects, but it keeps the fire pure. It keeps the fire holy. It, it's not tainted by guilt. It's not tainted by regret. It's not tainted by fear and by shame. It's pure. But when you get married, you keep the fire burning even hotter by ensuring that it stays in its proper place. By ensuring that it stays within its proper place. Don't be letting that fire jump the line and spread to a place it's not supposed to be. Don't let yourself get emotionally attached in an unhealthy way to, to a man or a woman who's not your spouse. Don't be messaging that old flame who's suddenly taken a new interest to you on Facebook. Don't be clicking on those websites and giving your fire away to somebody who's not your spouse. You have to protect the fire with a fierce tenacity. And when you do that, you keep the flame burning strong and you keep it burning pure. Going back to our, our two lovebirds in the Song of Songs. Excuse me, they're walking along. She's leaning up against her man, feeling the fire of her love all over again. And she says these words, love burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. This is such a powerful picture of love, so powerful. You, you maybe have been in a wedding at some point when these, these words were quoted. You know what makes the love so strong? That many waters cannot quench it. That's a, that's a pretty strong fire. It's a, it's a fire that can withstand not just one river, but it's plural in this verse. Rivers cannot, cannot sweep it away. What makes a love so strong? Back in my, my high school days, one of the, the jobs I took over the summer was forest fire fighting. And trust me, it sounds a lot more exciting than it actually was. Um, oops, excuse me, that's my bad. Um, 
I was, I was at the bottom rung of the forest fire fighting ladder. And uh, I was making $6.76 an hour, 76 cents, sorry, an hour. And um, that was peanuts even back in those days, 25 years ago, for someone doing such a dangerous job. And uh, my job, though, I was at the, the bottom rung of the ladder. And uh, I remember when I, I took my training and uh, they, they uh, handed me this, this weird device. And it was a fire pump can. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these things, but basically a fire pump can, this is what they're giving me to fight the fire. A fire pump can is, it looks like a five-gallon aluminum jerry can that you strap to your back, and it's got a little hose. <laughs> you pump it like this. And I remember thinking, you're sending me into a blazing forest fire with this fire pump can? Like, you're trying to get me killed? Well, anyways, I get to the forest fire, and it turns out I wasn't even going to be f- fighting the forest fire my job was to dig the fire line. And so I had a, a pickaxe, and I had to dig this long line, dig through roots and rocks. It was hard, hard manual labor. And uh, my job was to dig this line that would keep the fire from jumping over. But meanwhile, I had this, this fire pump can that they gave me in case the fire actually got a little bit out of hand and it started coming towards us who were like on the bottom rung of the ladder. This fire pump can. The only thing that the fire pump can was good for was putting out candles on a birthday cake. It was not going to put out a blazing forest fire. And I want all of you who are married, in particular, in the room this morning to hear something. You have a choice when it comes to the kind of marriage that you have. You can either have one where the fire stays so small that, that the smallest thing could come along and put it out like a squirt gun. Or you can have one where the fire is so strong that many rivers can't put it out. A fire that stays so blazing hot that the storms of life, the adversity of life, nothing can put that fire out. It's here that every single one of us in the room run into a really big problem. And the problem is this. We are flawed. We are broken. We, we are weak. I mean, we're human. Our love is going to grow weak. Our love is going to get tired. Our love is going to at some point become really self-centered and be all about me. Our love is going to say some rude things. Our love is going to just, it's, it's going to, I mean, to put it bluntly, our love is going to run out, burning down to just smoldering embers. It's going to become cold, and then we're going to find ourselves doing what, what many well-meaning couples do. We're going to rationalize that everything's fine by saying that our love is a committed love. Meanwhile, we're going to just ignore that, that it's lost all the passion, all the romance that God wants it to have. Blazing fire, the last two words that we would use to define our marriage. And, and the, the news that's both good and bad for us this morning is that you can't keep the fire burning bright on your own. What you need is to keep the fire blazing hottest by having an inexhaustible source of fuel that's more powerful than you. You need a mighty flame at the center of your marriage that's much greater and much more enduring than you. And in this verse that we just read in the Bible, it says, love burns like a mighty flame. Back in the first week of this series, I kind of said something that, that wasn't true, that I didn't know at the time that wasn't true. I said God is not actually mentioned in this book once, 
But it turns out in the original language that the book was written in, that word mighty flame, it literally means like the very flame of the Lord. In other words, if you want to keep the fire burning strong, you need Jesus himself, the Lord God Almighty, who is the very essence of love. You need him dwelling at the center of your marriage. The Bible describes God like this. God is a consuming fire. His love doesn't go out. The Bible says his love endures forever. The Bible says that nothing can separate from his love, not death, not angels, not demons. Nothing can separate from his love. And what you and I need at the center of our marriage is God himself fueling the fire. And you want to know how to do that? It's actually really quite simple. But I'll tell you this, it's really hard. It's simple, but it's, it's really, really hard. And it's hard because it involves a complete reprioritizing of your life. It means you, you put him in the driver's seat of your marriage. You put him in the driver's seat. It means that you and your spouse together, you are following Jesus. It, it, it means you're treating each other his way. It means you're handling your finances his way. It means you're making his priorities your priorities, you've got him in the driver's seat. That means that's what you do if you want to have an inexhaustible source of, of fuel. You want Jesus at the center of your marriage? You put him in the driver's seat. It also means that you seek God together. You read your Bibles together. You pray together. I'm not just talking praying together to bless your food. I'm talking you pray together. When you're going through it, when your spouse is going through it, you say, hey, can we pray for that? When you're, you're going through something in life as a family, you pray for that. When a friend of yours, you find out a friend is going through something, you say, hey, can we pray for some, th this person? You just make prayer a part of your marriage. Lastly, keeping Jesus at the center, it means you immerse yourself in your church community. You surround yourself and your marriage with others who love Jesus. I don't get how you can have a marriage that thrives and a marriage that has Jesus burning red hot at the center by disconnecting yourself from your church community. You just, I can't wrap my mind around it, yet in, in our day and age, especially in the church, there's this idea that you can be a follower of Jesus while divorcing your faith from the church. And, and if you read your Bible, I just, it's not there. If you want to keep Jesus blazing hot at the center of your marriage, you've got to immerse yourself in your church community. It means you regularly attend church and you worship together. You know, when you stand there beside your spouse on a Sunday morning and you declare, let it be Jesus, you're not only saying that I want Jesus to be the center of my life, you're saying we're making Jesus the center of our home, we're making Jesus the center of our marriage. You, you attend and you worship together, but don't stop at church attendance attendance. You got to get connected to a small group, a more intimate group of, of, of friends who are following Jesus together. Becky and I, we meet every Wednesday night with our small group. And this last Wednesday, we had an incredible um, Thanksgiving meal together. I got to, for the first time in my life, taste deep fried turkey. If you've never tried it, man, you're missing out. You got to try it. But we, we get together every Wednesday night with our small group. And because of my small group, my marriage is stronger. 
it helps put Jesus at the center when Becky and I go, okay, yes, we have five kids. Yes, she's got a job. Yes, I've got a job. Yes, we've got a lot of stuff going on. We got, our life is an absolute zoo, but we are going to surround ourselves with a close-knit group of friends who knows us and will hopefully get to, to know and love us enough that one day when the fire goes out in our marriage, they will call us on it because they love us. And they're going to pray for us. And they're going to walk us through that. Make Jesus the center of your marriage. Let him be the all-consuming fire who keeps burning bright at the center of your marriage. If you want the love to stay blazing hot, you've got to do that. Don't try to keep the fires of love burning strong on your own. Let his Holy Spirit come in and be your, your helper. Song of Songs is a book that's, it's not, it's not just about two lovers. It's not just about a man and a woman. It is, it, is a, it is a story that God placed in the Bible to help us understand the relationship of God with us, the bridegroom and the bride. It's, it's to help us understand about a God who pursues us relentlessly. It's a picture of a God who's a blazing, consuming fire who created us, who lost us due to our sin and our disobedience, but who loved us enough to pursue us to the point of even laying down his life on a cross. And Jesus, he said it like this. He said, I'm the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And, and this morning, I want you to hear about a God who is pursuing you relentlessly. Maybe you're here this morning, you don't even know Jesus. You need to know that he's a God who loves you. His love for you is a, is a love that's unshakable, is a, is a love that, that, that is powerful, and, and he loves you so much that he's got you this morning here so that you can know about the love that he has for you. He's, he's pursuing you. And maybe you go, well, I've made so many mistakes in my life. How could God possibly love, love this? His love for you does not change one single bit based off of what you've done. In fact, the beauty of God is that he's a God of grace. And if his love was based off of our actions and off of all the good things we've done, then none of us would be sitting in this room today. But his love for us, it, it, it just is, a, is an unrelenting love. And if you're here this morning, maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you've let your love for him grow cold this morning. He wants you to know that it can be a blazing fire if you surrender to him, if you give your heart to him, you come back to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I want my life to be all about you. I want you to be at the center of my life. He wants to come in and he wants to let that, get that fire burning bright again if you let him. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I just want to thank you so much that the Lord, you are, are here to fan the flame. You're here to breathe life on, on embers that, that maybe have just grown down to a smoldering flicker. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for, for every marriage that's represented in the room this morning. Lord, I, I don't know where each marriage is. God, maybe there's some that are blazing hot. Maybe there's others here where that, 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 that Lord, they, Lord, that's just, it's, it's cold, it's distant. Lord, they both, both know that, Lord, it's anything but a blazing fire. Lord, I thank you that, Jesus, you are a God of hope. You're a God of the impossible. You're a God who can come in and breathe life where there is none. You can breathe 
a, a new fire where there is zero fire. And Jesus, I pray that this morning you would begin to breathe like only you can. Lord, I pray for, for, for the marriages this morning that, that Lord, we would, we would just keep that fire burning hot, that, Jesus, we would, we would create moments, Lord, where we can just enjoy one another, Lord, we can just delight in our spouse. I pray that you would help us to protect that fire with a vigilance. Lord, I pray that you would help us to keep you at the center. And, God, for the, for the, for the times that we haven't, Lord, I pray this morning that, that Jesus, there would just be an overwhelming sense of your grace here, not condemnation for screw-ups and mess-ups, but, Lord, just an undeniable um, sense of how you are here and your grace is present to heal and restore and to make whole once again. So would you come in and would you do that today? And, Father, I, I want to pray for anybody here this morning that, that maybe doesn't know you. And, Lord, maybe this morning they're hearing for the first time about a God who is pursuing them, about a God who loves them despite their past, right, despite the things they've done, about a God who died on the cross for their sins. Lord, I pray this morning that, the Father, there would be a surrendering to you, that, God, there would be a, 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 just a putting their faith and trust in you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray all this. And you're good, and you're awesome, and you're powerful.